got to remember that we're going to go through storms in our life. We're going to face trials and tribulations. And He only gives us things in this world so we can be taught a lesson with Him or we can learn from Him. He loves us and He don't take things from us. He don't give us loved ones and He doesn't give, give, us, give us things in our life that we cherish for us to lose them just for us to not learn nothing from Stop. There's nothing wrong with making a mistake. The only thing wrong is, is not learning something from that mistake you made. And so as we go through this episode here, I encourage you and I urge you to focus on the giants in your life, the storms in your life. Face them. David did slay Goliath by sitting around moping. You're not going to defeat your devils. You're not going to get stronger spiritually by just sitting around and continuing the same lifestyle that you're living in. Just mauling in your filth, mauling in your in, in the muck. Now, um, there's a lot of people out there, there's in particular ones, that um, God's going to be with you, Tia Gray. He loves you and he loves your mother. Just, just know that we're out here, we're praying for you guys. And uh, one day, we're, we're all going to go to heaven. We're all going to be together. So, everyone out there, clean. God loves you. Amber, God loves you. John Beck, God loves you. God loves you. Everybody, my very independence. You know, I thank you guys for everything you guys have done in my life. You made a great deal. You made a very big influence. I just, um, I just really, really want to hope that I reach out and touch somebody who's out there facing struggles throughout their life. Because in particular, one of us are going through storms right now, and we're going to have to. This is where it counts. It's like he says. It's not when you walk in those doors, it's when you walk out of them. You know, we can go through all the programs we want to, but if we do not apply that stuff to our daily lives when we get out, it did us no good. So, um, just, just focus on focus on today and focus on getting by and focus on putting God first. God bless you, keep I'm John Wayne. I love you, so does Jesus. Tony Evans, trusting God in the storm. Without him, you cannot. But without you, he will not. When we travel across a bridge, it typically means that two bodies of land have been separated by a challenge. This bridge is designed to take you from where you are to where you are trying to go. The bridge that God has constructed for you to move from the natural to the supernatural is the bridge called faith. Unbelief will keep you stuck where you are. Unbelief is so powerful, it'll stop God's work in your life. He says, so.
I believe, help my unbelief. He says, I believe, but I'm shaky. Will you give me what I lack so I can go deep enough to believe? So even if your faith is weak, you got a faith helper. So get ready for your miracle. As long as you cross the bridge. We've been talking about faith. We define faith as acting like God is telling the truth. Faith is measured by feet, not by feelings. Faith is measured by walk, not by talk. Faith is measured by life, not by lips. Jesus has been teaching all day. He's been teaching the crowds, preaching the big sermon. And then he takes his disciples aside and he gives them a private word. He says in verse 33 of Mark 4, with many such parables, he was speaking the word to them so far as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but he was explaining everything privately to his own disciples. Jesus said, get in the boat. They got in the boat after the sermon. They listened to the word. They said, get in the boat. They got in the boat. And they are doing exactly what they were told to do. They are perfectly situated. Not only are they in the will of God, Jesus is in there with them. Because it says Jesus got in the boat too. So it, life can't be better than having church, hearing the word, and Jesus joins you in the boat. So Jesus is in the boat. They're going their way over to the other side. But while in the will of God and on the boat with the Lord, there's a problem. The problem is described in verse 37. There arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already filling up. The Greek word here for fierce gale of wind is lilac. A lilac was a tumultuous storm coming out of nowhere on the Sea of Galilee. And while they were obeying God, in God's will, doing exactly what God said, after church was over, Jesus had finished teaching, they run into a storm. And it's a whopper. It's so bad that the boat is filling up. And so they are caught in the storm while being in the will of God. So the first thing that you need to know is that in the will of God, it does rain. You can be smack dab in the will of God and be in the middle of lilac. You can be smack dab doing exactly what God tells you to do and the boat of your security begins to sink. You can be smack dab in the will of God. Now, obviously, you can be out of the will of God and be in the storm. And you can be in the will of God. So this ought to clarify, as we've tried to do all along, that storms in and of themselves do not tell you whether you're in or out of God's will. What tells you whether you're in or out of God's will is did you do what he told you to do. But whether you did it or you didn't do it, you can still be in a lilac. That is a tumultuous situation. The other thing you need to know about this lilac is it's merciless. That is, it comes down on you and it seeks to consume you. But let me tell you something else about a storm. 
A storm is always designed to increase your faith and give you a deeper experience with your God. Storms aren't pleasant, they aren't comfortable, and sometimes they can be life-threatening, but they always come with a purpose. So here they are in a crisis. They're in this crisis, and the crisis was threefold. There are actually three storms occurring here. Let me walk you through the three storms. First of all, there is a circumstantial storm, the lilac. I'll say one more thing about this circumstantial storm, and that is it was a storm over which they could exercise no control. You can't control the wind. You can't control the sea. You can't control the rain. You can't control the, the spinning of the turmoil. You can't control waves billowing up and going. You can't control that. That is out of your control. So you can be in the will of God and in a storm and absolutely be able to do nothing about it because you can't control a lot of that. It's circumstances that produces a helpless and sometimes the feeling of a hopeless scenario. So that's storm number one. That leads to storm number two. Storm number two is that they were terrified. We know that they were terrified because Jesus is going to say to them, why are you afraid in verse 40? So they weren't scared. They were stirred. Now we're talking terrified. So now we not only have a storm of circumstance, we have a storm of emotion because their emotions have riveted up and they are scared about the doctor's report, scared about the financial struggle, scared about the, the relationship direction, scared, whatever it is, you can't control that's causing your emotions to be uprooted is your lilac. Because it's something so big, so deep, and so devastating, you can't control it. So the first storm are circumstances out of their control. The second storm is their emotional instability because of the uncontrollable circumstance. But there's a third storm here. We'll call it a theological storm. Because not only was their circumstance out of control, and now their emotions responding to their circumstance, they now have a spiritual storm, a theological storm, because the scripture goes on to say that they woke up Jesus and said in verse 38, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? See, that's a spiritual storm. Because their circumstances were out of control and their emotions have gone crazy, now they question whether what they have been believing is true. If we were to tell the truth and shame the devil, there have been those times when we had to raise the question like Martha and Mary, where were you when I needed you? Because if you would have been here, it wouldn't be this painful, it wouldn't take this long, and it wouldn't hurt this bad. Teacher, do you really care because you're overwhelmed. That naturally leads to a spiritual question. Where were you, God? Uh, let's go a little deeper. Because verse 38 says, Jesus himself was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. No, you didn't. Oh, no, you didn't, Jesus. 
snoring. I'm in a storm and you're sleeping. This is serious sleep. So that meant he sleep on purpose. So not only is Jesus asleep, not only is he asleep on purpose, he's asleep in a storm. Okay, now I got another problem. Because he's sleeping on me and he's in the same storm I'm in. Because he's on the same boat I'm on. He sleep on a storm and the only way he gets up is I got to wake him up. It says they woke him up. That's when you're crying out because it's so bad, so deep for so long. And they, 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 they shook him and they said, don't you care? Because if you care, we wouldn't even, even if you were tired, we wouldn't have to wake you up. You got, you getting wet like we getting wet. The boat's flipping and flopping you like it's flipping and flopping us. And you are asleep. Jesus had just taught the disciples. They just come from church, so to speak. And now they're under pressure. And it's tough. Does Jesus care about my pain, my finances, my loneliness, my hurt, my depression? Because I'm in his will and I feel all this. And so they wake Jesus up. Verse 39, Jesus gets up. And he rebukes the wind and says to the sea, hush your fuss. Hush, be still. Notice who Jesus is talking to. He's going to talk to them, but he's not talking to them right now. He's talking to the circumstance. The circumstance is the wind and the sea. It's a storm. He doesn't speak to them yet. He speaks to the situation. But when does he speak to the situation? After they wake him up. So Jesus is asleep. They wake him up. When they wake him up, he speaks to the circumstance that was causing the crisis. So don't let it be said your crisis continues because you never took the time to wake the Savior up. In other words, you were not so concerned about it that getting his attention to it was unimportant. Because we'll wake up our friends, we'll wake up people with power, we'll wake up people who we think can change it, and a lot of times we don't try to wake up the Savior. Now, I'm explaining you guys, because I know what you're saying. You say, well, he shouldn't be asleep. <laughs> I got you. Stick with me here. Because, see, I know what you're thinking. And the reason I know what you're thinking is because I've had to think it too. Because we all face storms. Different shapes, different sizes, equally real. And so Jesus now turns to his disciples. Why are you afraid? Verse 40. How is it that you have no faith? Now, I don't know about you, but I have issues with the question. I got issues with that question. Because that question doesn't make sense to me. They wake Jesus up. The boat's filling with water. They're in a lilac. It's a terrible storm. They don't even know whether they're going to live or die. And Jesus is going to ask a question like that. Why are you afraid? And why do you have no faith? Oh, I don't know, Jesus. Maybe it's because we're getting ready to die. I mean, a question like that is like, so 
somebody asking a swimmer who just gets out the water, why are you wet? Isn't it pretty obvious? I mean, this is this is not that deep, G. Oh, excuse me, Jesus. It's not that deep. We're in trouble. Why are you afraid? Why the question? Well, that takes us back to verse 35. Because in verse 35, Jesus said, let us go to the other side. But when the circumstances showed up, they overrode what I said. In other words, your problem overrode my promise. So you are now living in light of the problem, no longer living in light of the promise. And when you live in light of the problem and no longer in light of the promise, the problem will dominate you and it will totally erase the fact I ever made one. God never wants your circumstances. He doesn't want you to deny them. A storm is a storm. You don't call it a sunshine day. A storm is reality. But he never wants your circumstance to trump his word. Not only does he not want your circumstance to trump his word, he doesn't want your circumstance to trump his presence. Because he's on the boat too. Because storms are designed to deepen your faith and heighten your experience with him. They're not pleasant, but they are unavoidable because you can't control lilacs. You can't control when they come, how they come, and how long they stay. And so that's our scenario. That's our situation. Their circumstance was determining their theology, and their circumstance caused them to forget what God said. Oh, but when he spoke, he told the wind, chill. He just chill. He told the sea, shh. And when Jesus spoke to the circumstance, the circumstances changed. So the issue in a lilac is not your ability to change the circumstance. The issue in a lilac is your communication with Jesus so he can speak to it. And so Jesus speaks to the problem. And when he speaks to the problem, there is a circumstantial change. And then it leads to a conclusion. And oh, what a conclusion it is. Verse 41 says, they became very much afraid. I, I don't think you just read that with me. Verse 41 says, they became very much afraid. Okay, maybe they'll get it on this side. Verse 41 says, they became very much afraid. Okay, when they were in the lilac, they were afraid. When they saw who they were dealing with, they became very much afraid. In other words, we're afraid of the wrong thing. <laughs> See, we let our circumstances scare us. He says, when you know who you're dealing with, <laughs> you'll be less afraid of that and more scared of me. So it's more important to, by faith, get Jesus dealing with the circumstance then you living in fear, don't be scared of the wrong thing. And they ask a question. 
Because they're scared now. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. Who then is this? Obviously, we don't know who he is. Let me tell you something. When Jesus is humanity, his sleep, his deity stays awake. Who then is this? They were on a journey of discovery. Trials, as inconvenient and as painful as they are, are a journey of discovery of who you're dealing with. Okay? God has placed you. It's not convenient, and I'm not trying to make light of it, but you're in a situation where God wants you to know who you're dealing with. Because the human, and we, we call this in theology, the hypostatic union. The hypostatic union means two natures in one person unmixed forever. Two natures in one person unmixed forever. So he's both human and divine. See, so God fertilized the egg of a woman. He fertilized the egg of Mary without a male sperm so that the Holy Spirit would provide the divine and Mary would provide the human so that the human and divine would be mixed in one person without sin forever. That's a hypostatic union. So, so one minute he's thirsty, the Bible says. He said, I thirst. But the next minute he's walking on water and, 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 and stopping storms and stuff. One minute he says, I hunger. The next minute he's taking sardines and crackers and making a folk Moby Dick sandwich to feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children, over 20,000 people. One moment he died on a cross. Another moment he raising folk from the dead. Come on, who are you? What manner of man is this? Hebrews 4 says, and we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our pain. How can you sympathize with my pain? Because I'm human. So I can feel what you feel the way you felt it. But I'm divine. See, when I go to you or you go to me, that's human to human. I may be able to sympathize but not be able to fix it. But when you deal with the God man, you're dealing with someone who can feel it and fix it. God says, because I'm a man, I know how you feel. But because I'm God, I can do something with it. What manner of man is this? That even the circumstances, nature obeys him. That nature has to succumb to him. So if you have a lilac, and if you don't have one, keep living. You will. God wants to take you to a place of understanding in him that you've never been before. And I tell this story about this major event that took place in our lives in the Pacific Ocean when we had the Urban Alternative, our national ministry, we had a trip for our, our people who support the ministry to Alaska. And that's where I minister to people who listen to the radio broadcast, support the ministry from across the country. We have about 300 people on the boat. And on our way back from Alaska, the captain said, we're going to hit a storm. We're going to hit a storm. And uh, it might be a little rough. It was more than a little rough. It was the worst storm Royal Caribbean had ever had in their history. 
the waves were hitting the boat 50 feet high. It was tossing this cruise liner around like a tin can. People were screaming and hollering, throwing up in the halls. The uh, piano was rolling all over the place. Dishes were flying. They had to order everybody to their staterooms. It was midnight. It's pitch black outside. You can't see anything except the waves hitting the boat and it's flipping and flopping and turning this boat every which way would loosen. People were terrified. Sister Evans, bless her heart. was very upset because they did not use the inside passage coming out. So you can come you can come from Alaska, open ocean, or you can come through the inside passage. Well, if you come through the inside passage, mountains are all around you, so you wouldn't feel the weather like that. But they had to get back because they had to drop us off and get another, you know, it's money for them. So, so they were on open ocean, so we were just out there. And the, what was worse is, the captain knew we were going to be out there. He told us we were going to be out there in the storm. He didn't tell us how bad it was going to be, but he told us we were going to be in the storm. So Sister Evans is like a little bit evangelically ticked off. So we're in the cabin because everybody ordered back to the cabin. And she picks up the phone and says, may I speak to the captain, please? I'm sitting on the bed going, oh. She says, may I speak to the captain? She calls the operator and she says, I want to speak to the captain. I don't know why they didn't take us to the inside passage. We had 300 guests on this boat and this is a bad experience for them and makes our ministry look bad. You know, she said, well, the captain can't come to the phone right now because he's weathering the storm. So I'm sorry, but we'll relay your concern. A few minutes later, the phone rings. It's the assistant captain. The assistant captain says, Ma'am, we know you're upset. We know, you know, this is a bad situation, but I need to tell you something. And that is, this boat was built with this storm in mind. When we were on dry dock and we put this boat together, we knew we would hit a day like this. That was calculated in the building of the boat. So even though it's an uncomfortable journey, you're going to be fine. Your guests are going to be fine because before we ever left, it had already been established that we would be able to handle a day like this. Uh, let me explain something. Jesus told them, let us go to the other side. That was on dry dock. He said, before we ever leave, I'm going to tell you where we're going to wind up. We're going to get to where we're supposed to go. Now, that may be rough sailing between leaving here and coming back here, but your salvation and your Savior was built with your struggle in mind. He has not forgotten you, your struggle, your pain, or your purpose. And he knows how to get you from point A to point Z, even if you have to go back to B and go to T to wind back at F to go to X in order to get you there. He knows how to take you from here and get you there because it was built with you in mind, including your struggle. I know faith can be risky business because we're asked to believe God and trust God and sometimes the weirdest of circumstances. I will admit for myself, and I know you've been there too, when things are tumultuous, when there's no answer in sight, 
And Jesus wants us to keep our eyes focused on him and believe when it looks like it's unbelievable. To take a step out on God when we're not sure whether we can stay up. Yep, faith is a risk. And what makes it the big risk is we're believing in a God we don't see, a Savior who's in heaven and not physically with us, and a circumstance we don't understand. Boy, you put all that together, and it even sounds riskier. The question that we have to answer, since God is God, is he worthy of the risk? You see, we take risk all the time in our lives, don't we? We risk on the plane getting to its destination. We take a risk on the stock market continuing going up over time. We take a risk when we do things that that are for the first time and we're nervous about it. So risk taking is not unusual to us. If we are willing to take a risk on things that are in the natural realm, then we ought to be willing to take a risk on the things that are in the supernatural realm since God is overseeing that realm and he is worthy of risk taking. If you're going to bet, bet on God because that is a bet worth making. Jesus tells his disciples, let us go to the other side. A storm breaks out, a lilac, that's a windstorm in the Sea of Galilee, and it's causing havoc. In fact, the disciples, professional fishermen, are terrified for their very lives. Jesus is asleep in the stern. They wake Jesus up and then they ask, do you not care that we perish? How can you sleep when our lives are on the line? If the truth be told, sometimes it does look like God is taking a nap on this day and going on a little vacation. Theologically, we know that's not true, but experientially, it feels like it is. Well, that's how the disciples felt. When they woke up Jesus, he said, oh, yeah, Lord. By the way, not only was Jesus asleep, he was asleep on the cushion. And if you got a pillow under you, that means you make a good decision. 
Jesus says, oh, ye of little faith. Why would he say that given the storm they were in? Why would he say that to you and me given the storm we were in? Because he had told them, let us go to the other side. They were amening the sermon, but when they got into the situation, they forgot the truth. When God says something, he means it. Even when there are interruptions along the way. You see, we expect there to be smooth sailing when God has made a promise to us in his word and for our life. But God never promises smooth sailing in his will. In this world, you will have tribulation. You will have lilac, storms that disrupts the order of things. Then Jesus stands and he says, peace be still. He brings calm to a chaotic situation. By the way, he didn't say they had no faith. He said they had little faith. They panicked in their problem. If you have a problem right now that's bringing you panic, fear, uncertainty, I want to just encourage you to go back to Jesus's world and wrap yourself around it. Hang on to it. Stay with it. In fact, get your pillow and lay next to Jesus. Since he's relaxing, you might as well relax too because you can't control the storm. And watch Jesus bring calm to the chaos in your life while he takes you to where he wants you to go. Oh yes, life has its storm and they are disrupted, aren't they? But if Jesus can rest and you're resting in Jesus, you get to rest too through the storm in your life. This is John Evans, and that was Resting During the Storm with Tony Evans. That's the hardest, hardest part is actually finding rest during our struggles and our trials and tribulations. It's, um, like I say, it's a lot easier said than done, but it is true what he speaks. So um, if there's anybody out there who's, who's facing them struggles, those trials and tribulations, like he said, wrap yourself up in the Lord. You can't go wrong. He's John Evans. Let's get back to some music. Praise You in the Storm by Casting Crowns.
sure by now God, you would have reached out And wiped our tears away Stepped in and saved the day But once again I say amen And it's still raining But as the thunder rolls I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you, and as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away, and I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my head, for you are who you are, no matter where I am. In any tear I cry, are you holding your hand? You never left my side, you know my heart is torn. I will praise you in the storm. And I remember when I stumbled in the wind. You heard my cry to you and raised me up again. But my strength is almost gone. How can I carry on if I can't find you? But as the thunder rolls, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God who gives and takes away. And I praise you in this storm, and I will lift my head. For you are who you are, no matter where I am. You know each tear I cry, and you hold it in your hand. You never left my side. And I lift my eyes into the world. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes into the world. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth.